Good morning, church. As I said earlier, my name is Vince Nieves, and I am the children's minister here, and I don't think I will ever not be nervous when I take those first couple steps up here. Oh, man. It is so good to see you guys this morning. This series has been a lot of fun of going through some of the reasons why Jesus came. It's been fun to work through. It's been fun to hear from uh, Thurmond and from Bruce, and next week we get to hear from Richie, and uh, it's something I think that people for centuries have been trying to understand God's plan and God, an infinite being with infinite wisdom, I don't think we can ever truly grasp what he has planned for us, but these little pieces, these small little inklings of who God is are, I think, the best that we as finite mortals can do. So today I'd like to start with a few pictures, and you'll have to forgive me, I'll probably go like this, and maybe like, oh, just kidding, we're over here this morning. Um... And I'd like you to tell me what these things have in common as we go through these pictures. So we're going to start off. um, I I heavily blame my two-year-old for this one. He quite loves these next two characters. So, oh, sorry, we'll come back to that one. We'll start off with the first one. (laughs) We've got night and day. There we go. We've got Batman and the Joker. We have A&M and UT. (laughs) We've got the lady and the tramp, and then we've got a civil war, right? We've got Iron Man and Captain America. So what do these things have in common? Anybody? I heard it from the youth group. Somebody say it loud. They're opposites. They're, yeah, they're different. They're, they're, um, they're, in contrast, they're contrasting images to one another. And today we are going to be talking about opposites. Why would God, fully divine, come to earth to also be fully human? In Jesus Christ, fully human, fully divine, why come and be here? We've talked about a few reasons already, and I'd like to give you one that may not seem quite right, one that seems a little bit opposite of what we expect of Jesus. The message of Jesus at its core is peace. Peace comes up so many times in Scripture, in in New Testament Scripture, that there is only one book. It's 1 John. It is the only book in New Testament Scripture that does not have the word peace. All the way, so you can read through, and peace comes up over and over and over and over again. When Jesus enters the world, This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest in heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. As Jesus grows up, we enter in in the book of Matthew, we find the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Let's play a little game. Let's see if uh, you've ever played this game. You can finish the lyric. You can figure out what the, the next word in the song is. I will love and adore him. I will bow down before him. He's my prince of peace. That's right. For my kids, I've got like a river, right, in my soul, but not my shoe. 
right? And then if you have ever heard the song, I've got the joy down in my heart, right? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. If you keep going, because that song goes on forever and ever and ever and ever, uh, somewhere around verse 3, you end up with, I've got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Down in my heart. That's right. So we have, we have songs about peace. We've got Jesus speaking about peace in Scripture. We've got uh, not just songs for adults. We've got songs for kids. We have peace. At its core, Jesus brings a message of peace. Even his final words as written in John All this I've spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus leaves peace with his disciples. Not as the world gives, but as he gives, as God gives. He gives a gift of eternal peace to his disciples. Peace is the main message that Jesus brings. And yet, I will give you some more of his own words to say that that's not why he came. It's not the reason we're going to talk about. In Matthew 10, he says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. So how is it that Jesus can have a message that is peace? And yet at the same time, he can say, I'm not here to bring peace. I'm here yet to bring a sword. This verse in Matthew needs a little bit more context, I think. So in this section of Matthew, Jesus is sending out his disciples. He says earlier in the chapter, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. So he doesn't say this necessarily out of any kind of randomness, right? It's very purposeful. He says, you are going into a den of wolves. You are going to bring a message that is not going to be received by everyone. Thurman talked about that Jesus came to preach the gospel. He came to bring the good news. Not everybody receives the good news in the same way. And that's what he's telling his disciples here. You are going into these places. You're going to bring the good news, but not everybody will receive it. And within this chapter, within this section, Jesus continues on. He says, you, on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, don't worry. Don't worry about what to say. God will speak through you. God's spirit will be with you. This whole section he's going about, you are going to be persecuted for what you have to say. You are going to bring a message of peace, but if the person you bring that message of peace to does not receive it, take it back. It will return to you. 
He says, don't use the traditional uh, greeting of peace be with you if the person does not receive it. Right? So he's bringing this message of peace. But that's not what he came to do. It's so opposite of our expectations. It's so opposite of what I would expect. But all of this comes because Jesus knows that there is a cost to being a disciple of Jesus. There is a cost to choosing this path. And it's not that you don't get peace. Actually, specifically, if you choose Jesus, you get a peace. A peace that passes understanding. A peace that is something that you can't even comprehend in its fullness. Some of you may have felt that peace before. In the middle of turmoil, in the middle of anything and everything going wrong, and suddenly you just know it's going to be okay. It's all going to work out. It's a peace that you just can't really get your brain around, and yet you know that it's going to be all right. And while that is something that we receive when we choose this path, when we choose this path, there is a cost. In Luke chapter 25, he, he lays out this cost. He says the cost is that of war. He says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, turning to them, and he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000 men? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off, and he will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. There is a cost to following Jesus. In the same way a king would measure whether to go to war or not, you have to measure the cost it takes to follow Christ. And the cost that Jesus tells us is that you will make enemies. You will make enemies not just of those around you. You will make enemies of those in your own household. And I'm sure there are a number of you that just wish, that just pray, that just hope that you could bring your own household back together. Because choosing Jesus has a cost. When you hear the gospel, there are two possible responses. You can hear the gospel, you can take it in, and you can say, this is the path. And that choice has a cost. Or you can hear the gospel, you can deny the gospel, and that choice also has a cost. 
Jesus actually has a response to our response. When we hear the gospel and we respond, Jesus says this. He says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Jesus brings a sword because he confronts us with a choice. He gives us an option. Love me first over everything else that is dear to you, or you are not worthy of me. Put your selfish desires to death daily, or you are not worthy of me. Lose your life, and you will find it. While Jesus brings a message of peace, he came with a choice. It's a hard choice to make. It's a, it's a hard choice to even comprehend because when you choose Jesus over your own selfish desires, there is someone in your life that is choosing their own selfish desires. And when you have those two differences, when you become at odds with your mother, your brother, your spouse, your children, you still have to make the choice that Jesus comes before every other person. And when you've been married for 10, 12, 20, 30, 40 years, and your spouse chooses their own selfish desires over Jesus, how do you reconcile those two things? When you've only been alive for 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 years, how do you reconcile your own selfish desires with the choice to follow Jesus? As long as man's heart has its own selfish desires, the sword that Christ brought, the, cho the choice that Jesus brings before us, will always have conflict to it. When you choose Jesus, you bring a message of peace. You bring a message of hope. You bring the Advent season to life. The expectant waiting of Christ, our Savior, to come. Yet you also confront every person you bring that message to with a choice. You also bring a sword right along with it. A sword divides. On one side of Jesus' sword is misery and death. And on the other side is joy and life. When your brother, sister, mother, father, whoever in your life chooses their own desires, can you give them up for Jesus? I'll leave you with a question today. I like to leave you with questions. I like to leave you with the opportunity to think through your own choices. 
So my question for you today is, on which side of Jesus' sword do you stand? If you are in need of prayer, if you need to respond, if you are in need in any way, our shepherds are around the building. I will be available in the back. Our other ministers are also available. Feel free to approach us. Come talk to us. We are happy to be here for you. I'm so thankful that I was able to come before you this morning. And I pray, I pray deeply that I can get rid of my own selfish desires and choose Jesus daily and that you may do the same.